Today we are taking a slightly monosyllabic and not very interesting investigation into the filmography of Charlie's Theron. With me, as always, are Regina Connolly. Hello. And Robin Hitchcock. Hi there. And my name is Bob Shields. And this week's movie is 2015's Dark Place. Dark Places. Uh, Dark Places. Oh my god, I got the title wrong this time. Uh, <laughs> it was from 2015. It's based on a novel written by Gillian Flynn. Yes, uh, I looked it up. Hard G. Hard G for Gillian. Famous for Gone Girl. Yes. Famous for Gone Girl. You may have noticed that this movie came out exactly one year after Gone Girl the movie came out. I wonder why that is. And everything in this movie is like, remember Gone Girl? <laughs> we made another one. Yeah, you guys liked that movie, right? It did well. Yeah. Here's some more Gone Girl for let's you. Have a, let's have a one sound review of okay. this. Uh, uh, what? <laughs> I think I might also add, oh, occasionally. <laughs> so that's the thing is this movie is very disjointed. Parts of it are really good. Yeah. And the cast is pretty good. I yeah. can be like, oh, is that who? It is who I think it is. So this movie has, we should explain, the, the plot is very sort of straightforward. It's a revisitation of a girl whose family was murdered when she was a child and she managed to escape and her brother went to jail for it. Uh, and it's her revisiting the crime after, like, 10 years, 20 25 years, years later. 25 years later. There's, uh, yeah, this is the, it's like split between the present day and flashbacks. So we're learning things. Yes. So like I, the flashbacks timeline plays out and the present day investigation plays out simultaneously. But one of the things that this movie does on a repeated basis is grown up character version teasing where <laughs> you'll suddenly be like, oh, we're about to meet her brother as an adult. Which actor is going to play him? Yes. Oh, it's the guy from House of Cards. And Corey Stoll. Yeah, Corey Stoll. And it's like, that happens over and over again. And the casting is generally really good. Like, it has a great cast. Corey Stoll is an example of the casting being not so good. Well, he doesn't, he doesn't look so like Ty Corey Sheridan. So it's Corey Stoll playing old Ty Sheridan. They look yeah. nothing like. I also just generally thought that Corey Stoll was miscast in this. He does a kind of good creepy vibe. Right, but it's a different creepy vibe than what the character... Yeah. Because, like... Okay, so my general take on this movie was that the present day stuff was much more compelling to me than the flashback. I agree. Because we know what's going to happen in the flashback. Right. The family's going to get killed. Right. And also, it just... So it's set in 1985, the the flashback, and it's like very weak period work. Oh, like, I, I really... thought that's because it was the middle of the country. So I think that... <laughs> it just that... looks like today. I know <laughs> that it looked... I thought it looked like older. I honestly thought it looked like right now. Okay. You know what I mean? I really, I think that they maybe were saying like, oh, you know, like people aren't trendy because this is, you know, very rural America. But like, it just did not seem at all in the past. Yeah. 
And also, like, the the thing about the past storyline and, like, the murder is it's, like, rooted in that, like, oh, all these teens are in satanic cults Mm -hmm. stuff. Right. But that felt really underdeveloped. Yes. It also seemed very surface level tacked on That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I felt sort of being like, wait, what's happening? Because it was a little bit as if the media's obsession with teens being into Satanism was a part of, like, the veneer of what was going on, that that had been pushed onto her brother, who was convicted for the murder. But they actually were Satanists. The kids were Satanists, and they they did a sacrifice. We watched them axe murder a cow. Multiple cows. It's gross. But it wasn't attached to any part of the actual investigation or the plot. There was no twist involving that. It was just a sort of general fact, like he had black hair. It it didn't actually have anything to do with anything. Well, I guess it had been part of the media sensation. Yeah. But, so basically, this movie starts... The first 20 minutes of this movie, I was like, Fuck yeah. Like, I was like, I love this. How have I not heard of this movie before? It was surprisingly good. I I was into it for a long time. Like, I think probably longer than everyone else. I was like, I'm on board for this. This is like a murder mystery. There's flashbacks. I don't know what's going on. Charlize looks fucking amazing in the dumbest outfit ever. She's got a little green trucker hat and a pixie cut and a shredded white t-shirt and jeans. And I was like, I will never look that good in a ball gown with professional help. It was amazing. (laughs) It was. I, I I cannot emphasize enough how wrong it is, how good she looks in this outfit. But so I was like, I'm in it for this movie. I'm here for it. I love it. And then there was a moment, like two thirds of the way in, where she visits her drunk father. Oh my god! What at a toxic waste dump, and he's in some generic factory hole. And he goes into this, like, industrial hole. And I was like, no, you guys lost me. And this is the one actor that they didn't age so that when they're having their confrontation, yeah, he great. looks younger than Charlize does. It was very awkward. That scene was so bad. And then I was like, oh, this is the movie that we have. And from sort of that point out, I was like, okay, I'm starting to tap out. So I was it like, falls oh, into yeah. Lifetime movie territory yes. at and, that point. And from that moment on, I was like, okay, now I'm watching a different movie. But up until that point, I was pretty into it and I was willing to forgive the reason that Charlize gets sucked into this investigation of her own past is a thing called the Kill Club. Why are you forgiving this? This to me, this was what I was like, I am on board so, for yeah, this. So one of the- but like, um, the thing that was like, when they go to an actual club where people are dressed up as serial killers and I was just like, that was very Lifetime movie. See, to so, me, I was like, this is a cool subculture thing. And <laughs> I also thought there was a level of self-awareness there because like- oh. Part of the reason for Gillian Flynn's success is that her fiction resembles true crime. Mm. Mm. Like, true crime fanatics like her fiction. Yes. I also, so I, the Kill Club, that scene to me was what the needed movie needed more of. Yeah. There was that, that was the only time there was any kind of like flavor or contrast between Charlie's. Mm. And the rest of like what was going on. Everything else is very kind of bland and one note. Whereas that that seems like, oh, she clashes with them, she's very kind of standoffish and like matter of fact. So that has my Charlie Zenith. Oh yeah. Which is when so she goes Nicholas Holt, former war boy. Yes. Uh, Wait, isn't he a, the beast? Yes, also that. Okay. Uh, but he was beast, in yeah. Mad Max Fury Road. Yes, no, I So I, I was am, like, this I, is so, I like when people get to work together more than once. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> so, and it, like, this was probably filmed right after. She's got a pixie cut. So. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, God, yeah. I didn't think of that. Right. 
Can you imagine yeah. going from Mad Max to being like, maybe she was shaking Mad Max off. She was like, right. you know what? I want to do a dumb Lifetime movie with my pal from Mad Max. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also I want to see uh, Christina Hendricks, but probably never be on set together because yeah. she was all... Well, hang out at the premiere. Yeah. Which there probably wasn't one because this was direct streaming. Yeah. yeah. It, it was held at her house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, can we just say a costume designer, shout out again for making Charlize Theron look so good in such bad clothes. And yet making beautiful Christina Hendricks attempt to look dowdy throughout the entire thing. They tried thing. really hard. You cannot make Christina Hendricks look dowdy. You cannot. You just can't but do it. But this person put their all into high-waisted tan corduroy And like, they were like, oh, we're going to maybe put some grease in her hair, but yeah. it just looked shiny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were like, she's in a bad outfit. And you'd be like, oh, what a bad outfit. And you'd be like, oh, but look at that luminous face. Right. Just <laughs> did not work. She played the mother in the in the past storyline, Charlize's mom. So in this scene, which was my Charlize Zenith, Nicholas Holt is in the Kill Club, and he's like, "I'm gonna bring you. I'll pay you to be like our guest." And she has no money. She's been living off of people's donations because mm-hmm. she it was like sensationalized. Right. And so she's like, "Cool, I'll do it." And then in this scene, the guy is like summarizing the case. Nice little exposition for us. Excellent. And then watching Charlize's face as he's like very dispassionately describing the defining trauma of her life. The murder of her family. Right. When she was eight years old. Right. And in the house. Right. Then this woman, Magda, what a great character (laughs) name for this type of person. She's possibly in love with the brother. Yes. And she is like, how dare you? He is a great man, and he is in jail because of you. Because Charlie testified against her brother in court. That he had been there and that he had done it. That she saw him threaten the family with a shotgun. Right. And just watching Charlize's face, when it's like being accused in front of all of these people who are dispassionately discussing her family being murdered, of wrongfully imprisoning her brother, and... Just the amount of contempt that goes through her face is yeah. <laughs> so powerful and amazing. And I that, to me, was the peak, not only of Charlize's performance, but of the film. And I went back and checked. It was 12 minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I feel like the film, like, if I were to watch this a second time, which seems unlikely in this lifetime, with the understanding of what movie it actually is from yeah. the end. Like, at the beginning, I treated it like a serious murder mystery to some extent. Right. And I agree with you, Bob Shields, that if they had leaned into the stylized aspect of a kill club that has this just mysterious building full of people reenacting murders and pretending to be Lizzie Borden, and also an upstairs where uh, the serious ones go. Right, because they're there (laughs) to solve cold cases and not be freaks. If they had sort of leaned into building that world more, but I felt like they were like, we're establishing this world as weird and not quite normal, but everything else is meant to be like true crimey in a way. But then also, the final twist, I was just like, no, that actually belongs in the crazy town world. I do not believe. So I guess we've already pretty much spoiled things, but let's wait. We're firmly, as our friends high on film would say. In spoiler country. Okay, so a very quick plot is basically, so Charlize agrees to help investigate. Her brother's been in prison this entire time, and she starts opening up to going into the dark places of remembering these memories, and she's interviewing people. And we learn a bit more that, like, her brother was a Satanist, and he had a girlfriend that was pregnant, uh, and they were gonna maybe run away together because his brother, her brother had been accused of molesting 12-year-old girls that he had tutored in an after-school art program, and the mother- And he had. He, one of them. He kissed one of them, yes. He made one of them 
give him a blowjob. No. Didn't no, she, she know? No, she, she made says that up. later that all they did is so there's a there's a young girl her name is Chrissy and that's yeah. the stripper. But then later she meets Charlie's in a car and she's basically like, "I lied to everyone. I was in love with your brother and he kissed me once, but then ignored me. But we exchanged letters and then I had a sleepover with some other girls and we made up this whole story about your brother praying." I us. thought that this also, guys, I slept through part of this movie <laughs> and then went back. So I watched the first act, fell asleep, thought I had only missed a little bit, mm-hmm. but I had missed a big chunk. Watched the end and then went back and watched the middle part, which this happened in. Yeah. So wait, I thought she said that he, was it when she was talking to Nicholas Holt and lying, that she said he only lasted a second? That, yes, the blowjob thing was made up because she was in love with him and she went to a sleepover and said she had a high school boyfriend and then said that he had done those things to her and it all spiraled out of control and they became the girls from The Crucible. While this is going on, Christina Hendricks has a visit from someone basically being like, we're going to repossess your family's farm, you're so poor. And there's nothing you can do. And her sister comes in and they go for a car drive where she very thoughtfully says, like, my kids would be better off without me. You'd be a great step parent. And then later when they're still searching for the son and she's had a horrible day and you meet the abusive father who, like, comes and steals some money from her. The guy who's going to take her farm calls her and is like, we might have one other option. And then introduces her to a big tall man in a Stetson who's like, you just need to be very brave for me. And we basically find out that he is a serial killer. Who for will, hire. For hire, who will murder you, but it's a suicide because you asked him to murder you so that you can collect life insurance. So she plans for this man to come to her house and kill her. Her financial planner suggested this. Yes. Not so, a great financial planner. No. So that, she, so that she'll be murdered and uh, they'll still collect the insurance and she assumes her four children will go and live with her sister and not be traumatized by her murder. Uh, and then he comes in and she comes out of her room and he's like, I stabbed you like I said I would. But then her daughter runs out and is like, my mom's been stabbed. And he's like, this wasn't part of the plan. And then he shotguns the one sister. And then the pregnant girlfriend of the brother chokes out the other sister for no real reason other than they wanted her to do Murders that. her. Yeah, she murders yeah. her. Yeah, not just chokes out. Murders. Strangles. Like, kills chokes her. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So two family members killed by a serial killer for hire who does it for good who's like euthanizing people what do they call him the angel of debt ah yes i knew it was something really ridiculous so here's my least favorite thing about the whole angel of debt plot line is that in the beginning with the kill club when he's explaining the like we're no we're serious like we're solving crime we're about to get this serial killer the angel of debt you know how in kiss kiss bang bang when there's like a news report and then robert Downey jr in the narration is like i wonder why we included that news report Maybe it will be important later. Like, that went off in my head. I was like, that's way too much information about that serial killer, guys. And then as soon as Christina Hendricks was like, I'm out of money, I'm like, well, I wonder where this is going. Well, the thing that also frustrates me about that is there's a moment where Christina Hendricks talks about how she feels about the land. The land is like one of her children. And I was like, well, it's not. You have four children and a sister who seems to be financially stable and is helping you buy groceries. And I'm not saying that losing your family home and, like, full disclosure, guys, not a farmer, never been a farmer, so maybe I don't know what it's like, but I'm like, I don't know, don't have someone stab you in the stomach, just foreclose on your house and do something else. Like, I don't know, it just seemed a little bit like they both didn't go enough into, like, what her situation was and she had cash secreted away. And I don't know, I feel like they were like, she was painted into a corner and totally hopeless, where the only thing that made sense was a serial killer for hire. Also, wait, so- did she have to pay the serial yes! killer? Right. 
Where did she get the money to pay him? Well, she had secret money, as we learned from her uh, shitty ex-husband, this Runner. Is, I was sleeping through this part. Yeah. So, yeah, this, this movie, unlike most detective movies that throw out, like, red herrings, as like, oh, maybe this clue means something. Oh, it's uh, something else unrelated, blah, blah. Every single, single, every single <laughs> detail that it gets thrown out, like, offhand comment, turns out to be a real thing. It's like, true. Like, oh, offhand comment about serial killer, like, unrelated serial killer that working at, that's the guy who killed your mom and sister. Right. Uh, you the tattoo that your brother is scratching at in the, in the visitation, uh, that's literally the name of the other killer. Someone meaningfully grabbing a necklace? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> The other thing in this movie that was very lifetimey was the final confrontation. So Charlize right. gathers this information and she finds the girlfriend who had murdered one of her sisters. Who had disappeared. Right. And her brother is like, don't go, don't go chasing that thread. But she chases that thread and finds her. And this is, I think, the best casting because the young girlfriend is played by the girl from The Equalizer. Also known as Chloe Grace Moretz, who is a famous actress. <laughs> Only for her part in The Equalizer, she eats cake in a diner with the best of them. And the adult version that they cast, I was like, holy shit, did they film this over time? Is this Boyhood or whatever that movie was? <laughs> it's very good casting. It, it's the woman from Rescue Me is what I recognize her from. I've never seen that. It's, I don't watch it. I, I recognize her, but I didn't. She, it's amazing. It was like, wow, yep, that's what Chloe Grace Moretz is going to look like when she grows up. <laughs> if so she stays she, in the sun for a long time. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, also note that this woman, so she killed her boyfriend's sister, and then he went to jail to protect her and their unborn child that he never got to meet. And the way that she hid was by using her porn star name, which is your childhood pet. And the street that you grew up on. All right, and lightning round. My, I'm sorry, mine wins, so I'm going last. Okay, Daisy Candace. Mine would be Buttons Harbury. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you might win. But mine is Eskimo Devereaux. <laughs> you guys are really good ones. What's yours again? Buttons Harbury. <laughs> and Eskimo Devereaux here to tell you. Mine is so boring. <laughs> Okay, what was your one again? Daisy Candace. That's pretty but good. But mine is a good illustration of like why that is a thing, right? right. Like, that is actually a, a plausible porn star name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she tracks her down via her porn star name. So Charlize arrives at this woman's house and is just going to, like, chat to her, but has no idea that she was there the night of the murder. But she's just trying to figure out, like, what was going on with her brother to decide whether or not her brother had killed her family. And while they're talking, she's like, but you were pregnant. Where's the baby? And then a creepy teen goes, I'm here. So also, she, why was she, she seemed like she was 17 and she should have been 25. 25 yeah. yeah. So I have to like point out, this is also, this is my Charlie Zenith. Okay. Also taking place, place on a couch silently while other people talk. And it's the part <clears throat> where during the reveal of the daughter and everything seems to be kind of slotting into place for Charlie's and she just kind of sat there and you can see she's not like pretty much motionless, and she you can see she's by her expression is kind of piecing everything together, and everything is very scary and meaningful. Not to the audience though, because literally nothing that is happening or being revealed is meaningful to us. Because like, well, does that girl look like her brother? Like, how is this in any way revealed? Right. It's just like, oh, this is this girl, this this woman's daughter. Some could easily be disconnected from everything. Right. But yeah, to Charlize's face, it looks very, very convincingly scary. I have a question. Mm -hmm. So Charlize knew that 
What's the name of the girl? Deandra. So, yes. so she knew she had been pregnant. She knew that she had been pregnant because her father told her. That's right. In okay. the toxic waste dump. And her father knew because Deandra had brought Ben to him uh, with another character that we never understood. Their fellow Satanist to demand money. And she was like, well, I'm having your kid. And then Runner had said to Ben, you better make sure it's yours. And that right. was, so that was. I did enjoy that though. When they're like, ask your dad for money. He's like, my dad's poor. They're like. Oh, you sweet little innocent baby. Your dad's a drug dealer. Right. <laughs> Although then it was weird because the kid that he was hanging out with was the one who was threatening his father to like... For money. To, to Which keep... is why I think that he was saying, get money from your dad. Yeah. Anyway. And so when Charlize goes to Deandra's house, she doesn't know... She has no reason to think that Deandra was involved in the murder. Right. She just thinks that there's something between her and her brother and she's trying to figure out who her brother is. So while she's sitting there talking to her and then she meets her niece, I guess, who's mm-hmm. super creepy. Like, imagine raised by a, a girl who could murder someone cold-bloodedly as a teenager for no other reason than the plot demanded it. And her reason was, she's going to tell everyone that I'm pregnant. She just hate Like, there was, like, an establishing thing that she hated the sister. Okay. I just more mean that Deandra's character as a teenage girl was... I felt like they pushed the violence up, but without any kind of yeah. meaningful... It was just sort of like, well, she just needs to be super violent, but she has no... The scene where they axe murder the cows, I was like, this is really excessive and weird. Right. So the three of them, after leaving... We're jumping back a bit, but after leaving the bar with the dad, they were going to do a satanic ritual, which this I felt like they didn't really tie the, the meaning behind it. Right, at all. Like, and I, uh, maybe it was better in the book, but essentially, like, they're going to make Ben one of them by doing the satanic ritual. They snort cocaine... And then they go into a pasture and the older boy, like, kills a, a cow. Uh, Deandra has a knife and the boy's like, be careful, that's close range. And so we just see her, like, stabbing repeatedly. And Ben's like, I'm conflicted, I'm conflicted. And then he goes in and acts as a cow. And then they go back to her, uh, Deandra's house and she showers. And then she realizes that, like, the cops are after him and that everyone's been looking for him because they think he's a child molester. And she's like, we have to run away together. And then they go to the house to pack a bag, and that's when the serial killer for hire has killed his family. And Deandra's like, it's because of the ritual. Like, of course, like, the day that we do the satanic ritual, your family gets murdered, and now you're going to get the money, and everything's going to be okay. And I was like, that does not seem to make yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. Also, how does she know about his mother's life insurance? Or how did she know that they got murdered because she was in the room? She didn't know what was going on. Like, she doesn't come out and see them dead. Oh, I thought she did. I didn't think she did. Okay. I mean, maybe she did. Whatever. Yeah, and then, she's I mean, she sister. also heard a gunshot. That's true. And then she's like, you have to go kill your youngest sister. Like, the, the little one ran off. That was so weird. She's like, you have to make sure you murder the last one. And so then Ben goes out, sees Libby, and is like, stay here. And then he leaves. So we know that when Libby testified, she knew that her brother would at least not killed her. But she didn't necessarily know everything else. And while she's in the future, in the current sense of visiting with Deandra, that's when she figures out that Deandra killed her sister. Because she finds the meaningfully grabbed necklace in their bathroom. bathroom, yeah. Correct. We were told very specifically that it had four rubies and it was very important to her mother and it had her name carved into it. So they were triply sure that we would know. Yes. Yes. It's like, guys, this is it. 
And then it super Lifetime movies out because the mother and daughter uh, sociopaths decide they're going to kill Libby. And it's such a bad fight scene. And there's like a, a basement with seven rooms in a very small house. I was like, how does the basement have so many doors? And then she crawls through a window and the, the psycho little kid, or who should be 25, grabs her foot but doesn't shoot her. Right. And then she goes into the woods and hides, she being Charlize, and is crying because these strangers just tried to kill her. And then... Nicholas Holt. Nicholas Holt just calls out her name and finds her in the woods because he knew that that's where she was going to be. I was sure he was going to get shot in the back. I also thought he was going to get killed. I was like, he's mixed up with the wrong people. Yeah, like, this is is a classic showing up to rescue someone at the wrong time scene. Because he doesn't have any special rescuing skills. Nor does he have any reason to think that she's in the woods. Right. Yeah. It's very... that, That whole scene... That was when I was like, this is embarrassing me. So my favorite scene in the whole movie involves... Nicholas Holt. I keep on calling him Ben Holt. I don't know why. But anyway, Nicholas Holt and Charlie Theron are in a car. And Charlie Theron is like, the fuck is wrong with you? Why do you have a kill club? And why are you trying to solve yeah. murders? And he's like, I have a very specific metaphor about when kids do things. <laughs> I love And this. they get beyond their control. And it's bigger than them. Because I, for example, am responsible for many wildfires in California. And I destroyed a lot of property. So that is similar to how the girls in your town spread like wildfire rumors that you're brother was a child molester and it got beyond their control to the point that he was imprisoned his whole life and you didn't know exactly what was going on and your testimony convicted your brother just like those wildfires that I, my character, have assessed. So another scene that was similar, at the very end she goes to see her brother in jail to be like, yep, so I definitely falsely accused you. And he's like, you know, sometimes doing the right thing makes the worst things happen. Or she says that, and he's like, are you talking about me or mom? And she says, talking about me. And he says, I guess you're talking about all of us. And I was like, (laughs) okay, guys, we get it. (laughs) Oh, my God. We get it. Oh, my favorite was when he was in prison, and she was not in prison. And he's like, why are you still thinking about that night? You've been in prison just as much as I have. (laughs) And I was like, no, she hasn't. She definitely was not in prison the same way. So, guys, would this movie be improved by a prison riot? Oh, hell yes. Hell to the yes. <laughs> I mean, guys, lean into that Lifetime movie you wish you were. Like, yep. I specifically think that the scenes where she's speaking with him, the first time she goes to talk to him, and it's the first time she's seen him in 25 years. Yes. She, That's my Charlie Zenith. Oh, okay, good. Talk about it. Okay, so I feel like this is an unorthodox Charlie Zenith. Because my Charlie Zenith is when she gets to the room that you have where it's the glass and he's like, I'm going to put my hand up and we're going to pick up the phone. The way that she sits on the stool is just so lithe and so athletic and so (laughs) suave and not at all appropriate to her character. So maybe that's not good acting, but it's just like, she just takes that stool like, I'm the master of this room. And she's wearing that ridiculous outfit that I love so much. She wears exclusively that outfit. I love it. It's a a costume, really. Right, she only has one outfit. And it is ugly, but she looks good. She looks amazing in it. Also, so, like, you know the the gif or the actual interview that she gave where she's like, you know, the way that you walk like a queen is, like, you stretch your neck and you think of murder. Yeah. I felt like she took to that stool, like, I am the queen and I am thinking of murder. And you don't even see her face. It's just the way that she moves into it. Yeah. And I feel like it's, to some extent, like I said, breaking character. So maybe not a great Charlie Zenith. But I was like, that's the Charlie's I know and love. Yeah. No one can move <laughs> like that except for you, ma'am. And it was beautiful and true. So in that scene, it's like they're alone 
in right. that room. And apparently she had arranged it that way. Correct. He's like, why couldn't we just meet in the room with the little tables? But I guess she didn't want to. Because she thought he killed her family. Well, yeah. Sort of. I think that she didn't know if he did or didn't. Right. Because they also implied that they had, like, a special bond, that, like, the other sisters were, right. like, ragging on him, but they sort of got along well. So I believe that she didn't know whether or not he did it. Right. But she did know he was there, and that she was like, maybe he spared me, but he killed everybody else. Right. But she also knew that she lied. Yeah. So she she knew, she didn't know how how serious her lie was, but she knew she lied. But anyway... I would have loved to see a little bit of a riot when they do finally meet at a table mm-hmm. and I, like people being like, it's that famous girl. Yeah. Right. To me, that would be interesting and be like, oh, this is who that guy is. Like that kind of stuff. Cause like yeah. the very, and this was very evocative of Gone Girl. Like, oh, this person has like some cultish attention around her. Yeah. Uh, that was another thing, like the Kill Club, where I'm like, I am more interested in that. Do that part instead right. of the boring scenes in 1985. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, I, I, I think any kind of excitement or like actual like action going forward would have been great. There is literally a guy in prison. It would yeah. have been pretty easy to shoehorn a prison riot in. No, there's not even shoehorning. It's, it's just, gently just, sliding. Just have it happen. Any movie that can include a toxic waste dump talked about like it's a real thing that a, a sea of homeless people live in with tents, <laughs> but she can easily find her father. <laughs> you have suspended disbelief we can have a prison and riot. And specifically say, it's full of arsenic. <laughs> it's, I just can't get over that scene. And like, it was so awkward because he lives in a pit. He lives in a pit in this talk waste dump and he's like come on down and there's an awkward scene where she's like struggling to get into the pit and he's trying to help her down and she's like don't touch me (laughs) it's and she's like i'm 10 feet taller than you and i look amazing in this dumb green trucker hat and you're my dad with halloween gray sprayed into your beard (laughs) so i did do a little internet research and apparently in the book they describe this woman as being like deeply unattractive Oh, good casting like, on their right, part. and like really yeah, like what the fuck, like unattractive and like really like tragic looking, like like not taking care of herself kind of stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so clearly the costume designer picked that up, but failed to account <laughs> for how Charlize is the most glamorous woman in the world. But yeah. everyone else was like, uh, we have the most glamorous woman in the world. Let's just make her look amazing. Let's just put her in a white t-shirt with strategically placed holes that make her look even more. It's beautiful. right. It's like. You can't do it. I mean, I guess that that's part of the reason she won her Oscar is they found a way to make her not the most attractive person ever. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the set designer was like, I have to pick up some slack here. I'm going to make her house look like a fucking nightmare. What? I actually was, thought that was really good. What me was too, yeah. up with that? Yikes. That I, I thought that was one of the, the subtler moments in the movie is that, so she like never did anything with her life. Like she lived off of these donations, so she didn't have to do much. And a ghost written book. And she basically was a hoarder and she lived in a house and like slept on pillows on the ground, but they didn't go into like at no point did, I don't even remember the character's name, laundromat owning guy. Nicholas Holt. Nicholas Holt. I think it was like Lyle or Lester yeah. or something like that. All right. Well, Dingle Dangle like ne- <laughs> never came to her house and had a moment being like, pull yourself together, no, woman. It just was there. It was just like, that's just the state of her world. And I felt like that was good background drawing. Yeah. Yeah. Nor was there a love story, which I very much yes. appreciated. And when he was trying to rescue her, I was like, oh, that's the moment when I realized, like, oh, in a worse movie, there would have been a love story. Exactly. Yeah, I I had the same thought, like, after I watched the next day, I was like, oh, my God, I'm so glad they didn't make out on her 
trash yeah. heap. Yeah. The story has good bones. It has it a, yeah. it has a, has a solid story, very poorly told. Also, I mean, like, medium was, poorly told. Like, yeah. this is, this movie, like, it really does have, I almost, like, want to skip to the rankings, because I feel like right. that, like, that sort of, like, captures, like, my feeling about it. Just, spoiler alert, I had to figure out my ranking through an average. Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like this movie, like, it did compel me in terms of, I was like, what's going on? And I, I actually, the, the stuff in the past, like, figuring out, like, I was confused, like, wait, like, the brother's accused of what? By who? Like, the way that that information came out in drips and drabs, I found, like, pretty compelling. Yeah. But, again, like, yeah. there were just so many, like, fantastical elements that weren't accounted for. And I yeah. was a bit like, you're not gone, girl. You're not, like, a slick Stephen Fincher. David Fincher. That's what I said. David Fincher <laughs> movie, who's a director people care about. But you're also not, like, a campy, ridiculous Lifetime movie. Or, like, I don't know. Like I, I just But it like, was trying to be, like, they use the same color palette. Like, yeah. they're very much like, remember Gone Girl? But if this came out a year afterward, could it have actually been done after it entirely? Like, wouldn't it have had to already be in post-production at that point? No, well, I don't think so, because I think this movie was probably shot in two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the cast is very isolated. I don't think Charlize did scenes. No, right. They have one costume for every character. Such a good one. Yeah, I think a lot of talented people worked on this movie. I agree. The acting is mostly really good. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's just not... It yeah, does, great. It, it doesn't just, like, hang together come very together. well. Yeah. It's a director, yeah. whatever your name is. Like, there are people, like, Abby Feuder should watch this movie, because this is a very specific genre of, like, you know, dark crime thriller. Mm-hmm. And some people, like Abby Feuder, love that type of movie. This is worth your time. And I, yeah. I do think the mystery, I mean, I guess if you've listened to this, no mystery left for you. But, like, I was sort of like, ooh, what? Who did who? What's that person? Like, it, like I I was paying attention, like I said, until the toxic waste stuff. And yeah. I was like, I resigned myself to stop caring. <laughs> and I thought Charlize was really good. In the beginning, when I was like, I fucking love this movie, I thought she was channeling Mavis Gary. It's like, yes. Mavis Gary, but with a dark past. Oh, and yes. I was like, I, I am here for this. Yeah. She was very much like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Like, she did a very good job being like, get, stay in your space. Right. Like, get oh. away from me. If I weren't picking a ridiculous Charlie Zenith of yeah. how she sits on a chair, yeah. I think the scene where she first meets Nicholas Holt in yep. the laundromat and she's very defensive and sort of wounded, but also in control. Yeah. Where he's like coming up to her and he's like, hey, like, what's up? She's like, hey, like, you could be a fucking freak. Like, get over there. Like, I thought that scene was probably like, that was great. I yeah. liked it, that yeah. was the part of the movie where I was like, I love this. Yeah. I'm here for this. That was, I, that I, was maybe scary, but like wounded in a different way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I also thought that <clears throat> other characters did a good job. Like, I thought Ty Sheridan as the young Ben yeah. did, a, did a very good job. He was very good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he looks nothing like Corey Stoll, which perhaps brings me to who is Keanu. Keanu is clearly going to play the brother. Obviously. That's so right, yes. Obviously. Oh, I strongly okay. disagree. Really? I think the Keanu yes. would have been excellent in that role because they want there to be some moral ambiguity for the brother, right? And Corey Stoll definitely is inherently creepy. Oh, you mean as a adult brother. Yes. Correct. Yes, 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 yes. I, yes sorry, yes. I thought you meant child Keanu would play the child brother, and I was like, no one will no. move that angel. No, 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 no. Sorry, I'm with you. Okay, so I felt like Corey Stoll did not work in that role because right. I understand what they were going for, mm-hmm. but it just didn't work. I think that Keanu, because he's so, like, he he's just so lovable and charismatic, but he does have the potential to have that dark side, right? Yes. I feel like he could have played both sides of that so much more effectively, mm. whereas Corey Stoll, I was like, 
I mostly just thought it was like a Ned Norton and Primal Fear kind of thing, mm-hmm. where your I'm a great guy stuff seems really phony to me. Yeah, and also we so rarely get to see the evil Keanu as well. Right. So to be able to, be able to ride that line and do right. both would be amazing. And he does look like Ty Sheridan. Yeah, he has the right hair color. And, and nose and all of yep. that stuff. It's a plausible... It's not yes. so great as Chloe Grace Moretz of the chick from Rescue Me, but like it's plausible in a way that... Ty Sheridan will, would never, ever grow up to look like Corey Stoll. Yeah, like, the, and the grown-up version reveal would have been so much more satisfying. Yes. Like, oh shit, Keanu Reeves! Yeah. <laughs> See, that's so interesting because I felt like with Corey Stoll's uh, character, I the creepy stuff didn't read for me. I was like, oh, he just seems like a bumbling nice guy who's trying to be sinister and completely failing. Oh. So when you I said... I always get that vibe from that actor, That though. he's creepy? I always am a little creeped out. I don't know if I've ever seen him before. Corey Stoll, to me, was just like, yeah, I'm just kind of nice. And then he'd be like, don't go down this path. And I was like, you're not selling that for me. See, but I when only you... bought into the creepy side. No, that was, I was like, phony, phony, phony. But when you said Edward Norton, I was like, oh, actually, I feel like Edward Norton would be really good at that. Oh, absolutely. I felt like he was just too nice that she would ever believe that he was sinister. And I feel like if she came across someone who had spent his entire formative years in prison and had, you know, some terrible things happen to him that he might fundamentally be a good person but that he wouldn't come across necessarily like a good person and I feel like Ed Norton would be amazing in that role. I agree. And you may recall, I think this made it into the final cut of one of our earliest episodes. I think Edward Norton is generally overrated as an actor (laughs) but I do agree that he would have been really good in that role. But the segment is who should Keanu Reeves play so I'm going to put Keanu Reeves in that role. (laughs) So I was going to say, I think because of the lack of, like, differing characters, like, everyone's kind of slightly boring most of the time. Like, Nicholas Holt, I think, is very good. Yeah. But he's not very interesting as a character. So I would replace him, but not have Keanu play that character. I would have Keanu be goofy, murder-interested, fanatic kill club person, but be, like, the kind of goofy... Like, wah, like, whatever, uh... Like, the guy who she talks to when she first gets there? Yes. Okay. All Uh, right. So I I would have that. I would completely replace Nicholas Holt's whole character with someone like that. Because I just think that would be a more interesting play and, like... I can see that working. How they would uh, play off each other. Hmm. I think... My kid was hard. I thought about doing Nicholas Holt, but I, mm-hmm. I think he's pretty good in that. Yeah. I, I like the way that they wrote that in. I thought about making him Magda for a second, because I think that would be interesting to have like a dude be like, no, you're wrong! Um, I'm in love with your brother! Or even not that element, but just sort of like, Neh. But I just think everyone would be too distracted if you look, that's Keanu Reeves! Right. I think I might make Keanu the keeper of the, like, halfway house where her dad had been kicked out for drinking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because he was, like, a small, like, little role. But that scene where he was just sort of, I don't know. (laughs) We don't allow drinkers in here. Yeah, and that way Keanu would be in the movie before the Toxic Waste dumps of the good part. (laughs) So I also considered having Keanu be the angel of debt. I like the size of that guy, though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he was very imposing. Like, yeah, and, and honestly, that was like, like his Stetson hat. I was like, this is cheesy as hell, but it's working. Oh, yeah. yeah. When he yeah. was silhouetted, I yeah. Was like, yeah, you could stand yeah, I, like, I mean, that's very Lifetime movie E, but I was yes, like, yeah, yeah, okay, nope, I definitely had like a chill go through me yeah, when he's this, in silhouette like that. Yeah, and his padded plaid jacket. He yeah. just looks like he's a wall of person like (laughs) (laughs) i was really sad when uh so he stabs christina Hendricks in the gut which seems like a very painful way to go right and he's like it'll be over in 30 seconds i'm like i don't think it's good also you could do it quicker than that come on do it in one second yeah i don't know 
And then, like, her kid comes out, and he, like, takes the time to tell the dying mother, like, oh, yeah, this is your fault. Right. And then, and then shoots the little girl, and Christine Hendricks like, ah, my plan! And, like, has to watch her kid on. I was like, that just seems extra sad for what was already pretty sad. And then he's like, how dare you make me do that, and shoots her in the face. Oh, yeah, you're yeah. right. He's like, I could have done that from the start. Right. But then, how also, you see her face afterwards, and it's very intact. It does look like he's shooting her in the face, It though, does, right? Yeah, maybe, yeah. It was the, maybe it was the next shoulder, and he's like, okay. I'll take your carotid, but that's a beautiful face, and I hate tomorrow. It is a it's beautiful true. face. She was also very good in this movie. She was. Yeah, yeah she was very convincingly at her wit's end. Oh, actually, I might have another Keanu casting. I've okay. changed my mind. I would, instead of... Christina turning to her sister, uh, maybe turn to her brother. Oh, okay, cool. Because yeah. I thought the scene in the car with the, or the scene with the two of them sitting on the bench. When she was, like, talking about basically fucking up her whole life. Yes. Yeah. The sister was just sort of like, you're, no, like, I'm buying you these groceries, but it wasn't a, like, it was one of the few, like, not shitty relationships. Right. Like, she was just genuinely like, you're not a bad parent, you're not a bad person, like, shit is hard. Like, right. you are raising four kids and you have no money, that is difficult. Mm-hmm. One of the scenes that I thought was the most lifetimey and the most dumb was when Christina Hendricks is, like, called in the police station with her sister and, like, has to hear that her son is being accused of molestation. She then goes to the house oh, gosh. of the girl yeah. who's accused, and the parents let her in for some reason, and at that moment, the daughter amidst, with all the other girls there, is, like, with a therapist, I guess, like, showing, like, they literally do the, like, where on the doll did he touch you kind of thing. Oh, gosh. And then there was just, like, and then the mother, like, has time to rattle off all these accusations against her, being like, you're poor, and you're poor, and our kids aren't poor, and it's your fault, and that scene just felt super weird and unnecessary. It was interesting to me that they call, they're like, oh, she's a rich girl. And then they go to her house and it's just like very solidly like (laughs) mid, 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 middle class. Yeah. I did find that to be interesting. And and I was like, I bet that that was more cleverly explored in the book. Deandra or Chrissy? Chrissy. Okay. I think Deandra is also meant to be rich. I think Deandra's yeah. house also came across as much wealthier. Okay. Yes. So ranking, it's I find this very hard to rank. I ultimately decided that I was going to look at where I would rank it if it had been just the good parts and where I would rank it if it had been just the bad parts. <laughs> and I decided to take an average. <laughs> nice. All right. So a median average of, the, uh, of, of its location on your list. Because I very much compared this to Trapped when yeah. I was watching. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is kind of like Trapped. Then I realized I ranked Trapped really high. You really did. Uh, yeah, you were into it. And I liked it. Uh, it's really dumb, but I liked it. And I kind of feel the same way about this, but it is not as good as Trapped. Uh, I disagree. It, I disagree. Has, but our I mean, rankings you, already reflect You also that. don't like Trapped. Right. <laughs> so I was like, eh, it's not, it's not as good. It doesn't have a goofy Kevin Bacon character. So I'm putting it very much lower, um, above Snow White and the Huntsman. But below Cider House Rules. It is shocking to me that you like Cider House Rules more than this movie. But well, that's just because that's one of that's my third from the bottom. That's true. But also that has Michael Caine in it. But I'm, I'm putting that... They're very similar to me because they have, like, not really that much of a compellingly told story and a really not logical climax at all. So yeah, that's, that's my location is in between those two shitty movies. So I looked at the, the good parts I was going to put between... Mighty Joe Young and Men of Honor. So that would be my uh, nine slot, I believe. And the bad parts I was going to put above Trapped. So like my 20 slot. 
Okay. And so then in in between, basically, and this feels appropriate, I'm going to put it just below Cider House Rules. I guess it's a little bit lower than in between. So below Cider House Rules, above Two Days in the Valley. It's interesting because I don't think I disliked this movie that much, but I am putting it lower than both of you guys. And I, as I'm like looking over my list, I think it has to do with like tone is coming across that Mm. I'm like, I enjoyed watching this movie, but because it's essentially dark in tone, I'm very unlikely to watch it again. Whereas like Mighty Joe Young, even though I think it's super dumb, I'm like, but that was cheerful and stupid. It's like, it's more fun for me. The more time goes on, the more I'm like, Mighty Joe Young, nice movie. (laughs) (laughs) movie. Also, this one gets a bonus because it was way better than I thought it was going to be. It was significantly better. Agreed. Like, when I first turned it on, I was like, oh boy, here we go. Right. And then then there was the brief moment when I thought I was going to love it, so it was disappointed. But it was definitely a nice two hours of my day. Much like Trapped, it starts with a shot that is very terrible in quality and (laughs) looks like it's going to taint the whole rest of the movie. Yeah. But it's actually just a one or like, it comes up maybe again a little bit later on in the future, but Basically, the rest of the movie's all right. So, all right. like, even though while I was watching it, like, I would say, like, on some levels, like, I enjoyed watching this more than I perhaps enjoyed Men of Honor. But I'm like, Men of Honor is definitively a better movie. Yes. Men of Honor is more successful at what it's trying to do. And yes. I do think that Charlize maybe gives a more compelling performance to something, even though it's smaller. Like, that's yeah. a very memorable role for yeah. me. And also, like, whatever. Robert De Niro saying cookie just tickles me to some extent. <laughs> the noise and, co- and tickles me. It cookies me. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Uh, okay. But, so I'm going to put Dark Places below Men of Honor, but above Trapped. But I think that there's a significant gulf between them because I'm like trapped. I was like, stop. Yeah, me too. But this, I was kind of like, it's dumb, but like, I do like some true crime things. Like they are Mm. compelling. I don't know. And like, there was a mystery element to it that I found like interesting. I was like, wait, what is happening with the brother? Who's this? If you Um, like this kind of movie, you should watch this. Yeah. But yeah, looking at my list, I'm really surprised because obviously like Kubo and the Two Strings is sad, but I just see like there's a different genre preference for me where I'm like, uh, dumb fantasy movies get a definite boost in yeah. the Regina world and like Ian Flux is still super high for me. And I'm like, that's a bad movie, but it's still my number eight. But yeah, and I, I do think Charlize is good in this and I think it might just be the quality of the script. Like she doesn't have a lot to do. Like she no. like she does, she's the same note throughout. And I don't think she goes through like a really stunning character change. It's no. just sort of like... Like, she plays that role that we see her in the scene with uh, Nicholas Holt in the laundromat. That same note throughout. Yes. I think at the very end, we're supposed to think she's finally coming to terms with her, but that didn't work. It's one of the things in this movie where I'm like, good try. (laughs) Yeah, when she drives up to the old farmhouse, sees the kid, and creepily, the kid waves and then just jogs away. Yeah. (laughs) And then she hits the road again. And I'm like... Isn't there some narration that is like, I'm going to be a better person now. Fade out. I thought I heard Sarah Connor's voice come in. It was like the highway ahead of us. Something along those lines. So guys, good, good ish, not so good, whatever. This is a movie. I I don't resent it. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) Guys, it's a movie. And if you want to see average looking clothes, look stunning. And if you want to be like, oh, that's maybe why people tried to keep wearing trucker hats. (laughs) This is the real-life version of Derelict from Zoolander. This is the most compelling use of a trucker hat I've ever seen in my entire life. Also, God bless Pixie Cuts. So, alright. Next week, we actually do know what we will be reviewing. So, October 5th, 
Charlize is going to be making a guest appearance on Seth MacFarlane's new show... The Orville. Yes. Which I've already watched a pilot episode for, and it was dreadful. So we're really excited about that one. Because we love Seth MacFarlane. Oh, yeah. But we're going to palate cleanse, because I think we're going to try to do A Million Ways to Die in the West after we do that one. So you guys might know we're good for two weeks, but that depends on scheduling. This yeah. could be a total I'm, I'm probably going to leave that out because I don't trust our scheduling. We were supposed to do that this weekend, but then I went to the woods. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. So if you want to play along, you can watch Charlize on that terrible show. I assume it's on the Fox Network. I can't wait yep. to talk longer about it than the episode is. Right. <laughs> That's always my favorite. Yeah, or is that an hour-long show? I don't remember. I hope not. It, it might have only been 20 minutes, but it felt like an hour. Okay. All right, so thanks for listening. Thank you to Alex Reed for our incredible theme song. And most of all, thank you, Charlize. Sorry guys, we've just broken Robin. We're gonna play some jaunty music and then we'll come back.